Hello and welcome back to the Everyone's A Football Critic podcast with me, Zach Palmer, and as always, or not so always recently, my co-host, Mr. <laughs> Callum Distin. How you doing, mate? I'm very good. Again, um, apologies to everyone about the uh, lack of the episode after the second round. That was entirely we do entirely not we do not accept. Um, yeah, there was, there was a clash of schedules and we couldn't get it out. But we're back. We're going to tell you all about it now. Absolutely, yeah. So let's get into it because, yeah, there are two games to talk about. Two very different games and two very different performances, I think. Um, of course, talking about the 0-0 draw with the US first, followed by the 3-0 win over Wales. So, Cal, what happened there? Why were we so much better against Wales? Um, we, we, we played a totally different team. Um, I, for me... A big big difference was the midfield um i think a lot of people got quite frustrated seeing jordan henderson's name on the team sheet um but in reality when you actually watch the game um him being there i think made for a much more balanced midfield three meant that bellingham was able to be that player that was pushing up rather than having to be as box to box as he's required been required to be um he's been superb all tournament obviously but i thought against Wales he was the standout player there and I think that was with that freedom to push a little higher up and not and just kind of have some of that um, defensive responsibility alleviated it wasn't that Henderson was standout uh, or kind of did anything that makes you go wow but he freed up that opportunity for Bellingham to be as high up as he was and also I thought Mount was fairly poor against um, the US yeah, no, it's interesting. I think Henderson has been a very divisive one, I think, um, in the wake of that game. A lot of people saying that he was awful. A lot of people saying, oh, you don't know Ball. If you don't, you know, if you if you think Henderson's bad, then you don't know Ball, etc. And um, I think, you know, myself and you have always been a pretty big fan of Henderson, I think, um, and what he does. I think he's had a really poor season for Liverpool this year, though. And I think a lot of those things that he does very well, which I, I think is often... It's facilitation, right? It's it's the 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 steady movement of the ball. It's covering for the fullbacks, and it's then those little smart runs into advanced areas, usually between fullback and centre back, just to usually drag players out rather than necessarily win the ball. It's that those kind of subtle things that he does, which I do think he did bits and pieces of um, against Wales, and I think it definitely did help us in some ways. Definitely gives a little bit more support for Rice as well but I also do think he made a couple of on-ball errors that I do think are probably why I think that's why there's that split right I think the people that are a fan of Jordan Henderson are noticing a lot of the off-the-ball smart stuff that he does that facilitates other people as you rightly say I think a lot of that is to do with giving Be- uh, Bellingham a little bit more freedom uh, to enter higher areas uh, whilst also covering for fullbacks so like Walker could get forward a little bit more and things like this um, whereas I think the people that are more critical of Jordan Henderson are noticing some of the on-ball stuff where he did give the ball away uh, uh, on a few occasions. I think he did look a little bit sloppy every now and again in possession. But largely, I, I, I think I, upon reflection, I think I fall on the side of things that I do think that Henderson did help control that midfield a little bit more. That said, I think that our control of the game probably had a little bit more to do with opposition than it did to do with us. I think the US were really smart in sitting in that uh, aggressive mid-block and cutting off our passing lanes into midfield, which just meant that whatever midfielders you had there, we we played Rice, obviously Mount and Bellingham against the US, and we just could not progress the ball through midfield at all, end up moving it to fullbacks, 
as we saw against the when the US played Wales, that's their pressing trigger, press the fullbacks really aggressively. Um, whereas Wales is just a completely different game. They sat far deeper. They were much more passive, which surprised me actually because they really needed to win that game. Um, yeah. And so actually, I found that progressing the ball into the final third was a lot easier in that game because Wales were happy for us to have the ball in midfield areas, whereas the US were only happy for us to have the ball uh, with the centre-backs. Um, so it was more about unpicking that low block. And I think as soon as you score a goal from a free kick, right, that's a kind of cheat code to break down a low block. You haven't actually created a chance. Although I do think we were doing okay second half. And then that game just sort of opened up a little bit. And we'll, we scored pretty much immediately after that first goal, didn't we? Um, which I think really, you know, really helps. And then the game was just a bit more stretched and Wales really did have to, to come out a little bit and that just left more spaces. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's probably my reading of it more so. I think that Wales were just atrocious, really, and um, gave us a lot more joy than the US did. And I thought the US actually played very well. Yeah, I agree. I thought that first half against Wales, I thought we looked positive without actually mm. creating anything. Um, and yeah like you say as soon as that free kick goes in that forces them they have to be a little bit more aggressive but mm. I mean you, you, I don't really know what their game plan was was it try and keep it nil-nil to the final 10 minutes and then push for it like they needed they needed the three points it was baffling yeah I, I have no idea because when the lineup came out it looked more like it was uh, going to be a 4-3-3 and it ended up being more of a 4-4-2 out of possession and they never really got in possession so I don't really know what yeah. their on possession plan was really but building this team in 2022 around Bale and Ramsey just doesn't work though like those two players are just not good enough to justify sacrificing everything else everywhere to just facilitate those two having like free roles so they just played in like the front two and just did nothing um so yeah I don't really know I mean the only thing in that first half is I thought that when we played slow we struggled because obviously that meant that Wales could get into their shape but towards the end of that first half I thought we started to carry the ball a little bit better I think particularly um, Bellingham Foden uh, were very good at uh, and Rashford actually were very good at that um, actually beating a man which then just unsettles the structure right a little bit because you've dragged one player out of the structure so someone else needs to come and cover that runner now um, and then you can pop it off to someone else I felt that that was where we started to get a little bit joy towards the end of the half but um, we look really good when we sort of just click into gear in moments but it, it really is just moments but then second half I thought as as we were afforded a little bit more space we were able to exploit it well uh, which I think is good you've got to exploit the space when it's there but my concern is that we won't always have that amount of space and I think that the US game in my opinion might be a little bit more reflective of what we'll see against Senegal and probably teams beyond that if we do progress from that point you know I think we've seen Senegal similar to the US in a kind of 4-3-3 mid-block pressing quite aggressively in moments um, and so I just don't see us I see us having the same issues as we did against the US in possessing the ball in central areas. So from what you've seen, is there any way that we can counteract that? Um, I'm not sure. I think I think from a team perspective, I do think Senegal are probably a better side mm. than the US. They certainly have some better players, um, especially in those um in like in those key positions mm. for that. Um Yeah, that midfield's strong, there. right? That, yeah, 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 absolutely. They've got um, is it Ismail Assar? He's um, on the wing as yeah, well. Yeah, he yeah. has been 
really, really good. I can't remember what the stat was. I should really have written it down. Mm. That would have been really good for for this. Um, but it was something about he's been one had completed the most dribbles or uh, he no no Mbappe's completed the most, but he was like second or third or something in that list. Right, okay, yeah. Completed in the World Cup. Um, I to be fair, he plays on the right. Luke Shaw has been pretty pretty solid all tournament. Um. There's a little concern there. I thought I can't actually. I'm mind blanking. I can't remember who they have on the left, but I would absolutely start Walker again. I thought Trippier coming into the World Cup was one of the most informed players actually, but then has had he was fairly average in the first game, and I thought he was actually pretty poor against Wales. Um, mm. I thought dropping him was the correct decision, and Walker again is one of those players who doesn't really stand out, but is just consistently solid and gives mm. you that base to build on um, from the back. I think attacking-wise, I think getting those players like Rashford and Foden on the ball as much as possible is going to be key mm. because I thought Rashford um, was really, really good, actually, against Wales. Um, it kind of says, we. I think we said in the, the first episode, actually, he, he off the wing is a totally different player mm. to him through the middle, and it's, um, it's why I think we were saying it's surprising that we've only brought one other striker like to Kane because Rashford is not effective in the middle. He's great off the wing and showed it. Um, he's a really, really good free kick, which is regardless of position. But he he was very good direct. And like you said, beat, beat a man. Um, there was a lot of creativity from the whole team. Um, Kane did his classic England performance of dropping deep, got another assist, um, put a lovely, lovely through ball to Rashford, actually, through the middle. And Rashford didn't score, but again, I think that was him taking up that central area. It still created that chance. Um and yeah, I think getting those creative players on the ball as much as possible is mm. going to be really the key to breaking them down. Yeah, and I thought an interesting thing that we did against Wales actually was at the start of the first half, we switched those wingers. So we played mm. uh, Rashford on the right uh, and Ferdinand on the left. They had been the other way around um, in the first half. And it obviously when you do that, you have um, a right foot player on the left-hand side and a left foot player on the right-hand side. You're obviously inverting those wingers, so they're coming inside a lot. And I think that that was where it was getting quite congested so actually playing with your natural playing on the wing with which your most natural foot is the same as that's a very convoluted way of saying that um <laughs> meant that they naturally stayed a little bit wider i think which just stretched the pitch a bit more and i think gave us a, a bit more of an avenue so that that was quite nice to play with slightly more traditional wingers in that way and yeah i think both had really good games obviously rashford scored twice and both Bowden scored once so on that note have they in your mind usurped Sterling and Saka <clears throat> very potentially I think um, I I mean I'll start I can't remember I think you said you'd start Foden in the first game mm. but be, beyond that like it, it was fairly we, we kind of agreed it was fairly 50-50 between mm. Saka and Foden um, Sterling as well he's been in poor form um, well not poor form but not great form for Chelsea uh, I was fully in support of that but Rashford Rashford played that role. We were saying Kane needs his son, mm. and Rashford has really, really fulfilled that role quite well. Yeah. Um, on both sides, he is actually again a relatively two-footed player, not quite on Son's mm. level, obviously, but is comfortable on both. Both, so like he still had a couple of chances where he cut inside. That second goal, I think, was off his left foot. Yeah. Um Danny Wood should, should probably have done better with it. Yeah, but for sure. Any, anyway, it was a good strike, a though, nonetheless. Yeah, ex- exactly. And there are a couple of chances that he's cut inside. I would, uh, yeah, I think his first, his first goal um, against uh, Iran was also with his left foot. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I think Rashford, for me, is the one who I would care more about starting because mm. I think Saka actually has still had a pretty good tournament. Yeah, um, agreed. Also probably offers a little bit more defensively. Yes, um, yeah. And it, it just depends... I don't know. It depends. Again, I didn't even think against the US, Saka was particularly poor. He just didn't get on it that much mm. because of how much they were pressing, and and a lot of the balls into him in the first game came from Trippier on on the right hand side or Trippier playing it in, and then the midfield playing it outside. Um, and we just weren't able to do that against the US, which was not Saka's fault. <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's not his role. Um, so I, I would I would probably start Foden still because I think he had a good game but I mean I, I couldn't complain either way I don't really think it's a nice decision to have yeah. it's nice going which of these is going to be better rather than which of these is going to be worse as it has been with England over the years yeah I I, I think I'd probably go Foden as well just because of that so he can be a little bit more comfortable in central areas and I just think that with Senegal having such a strong midfield it might be helpful having a wide player being able to drop in with some technical ability and take you know receive the ball in tight spaces like that might might just be slightly more useful than what Saka has where I think Saka benefits a little bit more from having a bit more space in front of him which mm-hmm. there also might be but uh, at, at times but I don't know whether he'll have as much opportunities to sort of flex in that way so yeah I think it's a bit of a coin floss uh, a coin floss a, a coin flip um, or toss one of the two um, <laughs> not both at the same time um I think yeah uh, between those two players and I think I think he probably goes Saka and I do I do think he probably will start Rashford Um, I do think Southgate's quite fond of Rashford so I think any excuse to kind of put him in um, he'll take but you know that does also mean dropping Sterling who has been a mainstay in that side as well but you know you can't really argue with that performance so I think um, there's a really good opportunity a really good chance that Rashford gets to start um, you also spoke just briefly about fullbacks as well um, my understanding is I think that Ismail Asai is actually playing on the left hand side instead of Mane at the moment yeah. no no that's fine so so, <laughs> uh, but I do think that that is further reason to start Walker and I, I on that side because I think just pace wise I think we saw against Wales that Walker Walker's recovery runs were still pretty much there and I think he had a, a very solid game so I'd like to see him come back in um, on the other side hand side uh, on the other side, um, there is a fair argument, I think, to to swap uh, Trippier out for sure. I'm always just a little bit worried about that, though, as we spoke about, I think, before the tournament in terms of build-up, not having a, a naturally left-footed on, player on that side. Um, I think he'll probably start sure anyway and then just um, maybe maybe change it at half-time if there's a problem. But also, he might be inclined to start... Um, Trippier because of set pieces but that said if you start Rashford maybe you don't care because maybe maybe Rashford's on free kicks now I, I don't know there's as you say a couple of, couple of nice problems to have I think um, Henderson probably keeps his place yeah <coughs> yeah I agree no I'd keep that midfield three the same and I think in particular um, there were quite a few well I say quite a few there might have been three but mm. we, we didn't concede loads and loads of chances to the US but we did we did concede a few mm. um, I, th- I think there were there were yeah there were two or three that came from that their right hand side our left hand side, and Maguire was superb actually we haven't touched on that he's been mm, no absolutely the standout yeah. player all tournament yeah. really, um, and I think I'm going to revise what I was saying about the first game and Blake giving him a little bit of the blame I think that there were there's a couple of moments of miscommunication on that left hand side again between Shaw and Mount who was that left sided midfielder Zach Triumphs. <laughs> who was tracking just tracking back and night it wasn't 
it was just like a communication. Mm. It was just like yeah. they didn't know which one of them was to press and which one of them was to um, to track the man. And and actually, there are different circumstances where it's you can say, oh, he should have had that man, or he should have had that man. But mm. actually, it's just about communicating. It's just about saying that is your man. I'm going to track this run. And even even if that's not what you practiced in training, you can switch it up as long as one you know what role you're doing. It's fairly basic. You you know your part. And I think having um, potentially Henderson there as that cover, mm. he he's not captain, but like he is a leader. He is yeah. one of the main leaders in the dressing room. He will be you, you, like you can see those players who shout a lot. I think one one of his biggest attributes again is that he makes other players play better, yeah. um, and he he will just shout at Luke Shaw and say you track him or you press him and there'll be that kind of cuts out that yeah. potential miscommunication because somewhat like if no one takes charge he will take charge and and that covers up that i think we're a lot more protected from that left hand side um, yeah in that case. Co- covering fullbacks is what he's best at i i think there's a direct correlation between the stick that trent gets for his inability to defend and henderson either not being in the team or being out of form i think when henderson's in the team and playing well he covers so well for trent that no one notices um the fact that there's positional deficiencies or like tactical um, structures that mean that Trent is out of position a lot um, and I think that that's, that can be the same for England albeit on the other side Henderson can play as the, le- the on the left hand side of that midfield three and just cover for sure and give him a little bit more security so I think I think that's good the other midfield player that I do think is worth talking about and I'm not saying this with my Leeds bias at all um, I thought Calvin Phillips was quietly very impressive when he came on um, has he got any shout to get more minutes? Um, I I wouldn't start him. Um, I I like I know you've got your leads your sad leads cap on. Um, but like he did he didn't put a foot wrong. I really like him. Mm. Um, as a big big fan of both well him he and Rice together at the last World Cup. Um, lots of people called it negative, but Phillips I thought filled that role of being quite more attacking in a way that we hadn't really seen mm. him do before that. Um, Euros even not World Cup anyway um, and uh, yeah he, he, he'd he be the first midfielder I'd bring on off the bench really but nothing more than that for me Would, do, do you disagree? Um, no I, I I don't think I disagree I'm, slight, I'm slightly playing devil's advocate that said I, I do think that he was better than Rice against um, Wales mm-hmm. um, I agree I thought Rice was slightly off it I don't think enough for Phillips to come and usurp him but I do think that that sort of performance from Phillips does just ask the question and it's actually him because we're now playing more of that 4-3-3 it's actually Phillips at the base in a very similar role to what he did under Bielsa at Leeds and then um, more recently albeit not much yet um, under Guardiola at City so I thought he looked really comfortable there in that uh, ball over the top for Rashford's second goal was was really nice as well and I thought that even more so I thought his just defensive tidying up was really good and I think he's better at that than Rice so um, I could I could make an argument for him being included somewhere in the team in a game where you feel like you're going to be really under the cosh perhaps in the next round against France or something like that where you really want to stack that midfield and you might even play Rice, Phillips and Henderson for example just to just to give yourself you know, maximum cover if you were going to stick with the four at the back. Um, but against Senegal, I think you still want somebody that's more progressive. So I think Bellingham in there, who still works hard, still does go box to box, but provides a lot more creativity at the top of the pitch. 
think you're going to need that you're going to need that ball carrying as well from deep positions so definitely stick with that and I think Rice has done enough to keep his place and I think Henderson did enough against Wales to keep his uh, place as well so yeah fair to say good result against Wales but whilst we topped the group I think I'd probably say we're not massively massively convincing um, just yet in terms of being a contender for the tournament um, it's what I mean so Senegal next if you get past Senegal as I sort of just alluded to it's probably France any chance of getting past France um, I, I think we change how we're playing against them I think Southgate goes back to his five at that yeah. point There's, I would be really really surprised if he doesn't um, I I do think that, and this is this is something I noticed um, looking at some stuff earlier we've not received a yellow card yet mm. um, meaning at least even if we do get a booking in the Senegal game we will have everyone there's not mm. and, and France I think are going to be one of the toughest opponents um, Absolutely. that we face e- even if we get through and I, I think it <laughs> it's nice that we'll have our full squad available barring a horrendous fuck up <laughs> against Senegal they they've shown they can slip. They we saw at the start against Australia. Um, they they went a goal down really early. Um, my only concern is we've seen what happens when we score early in a big game under Southgate. We've seen how he gets the side to play, and you you can't do that against a side of France's quality as as we saw as we have seen multiple times in those key games in the tournament. Um, I. Th- I wouldn't write it off. I wouldn't say there's no chance we're going through, um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't go into that game feeling confident by any means. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think that probably leads us nicely into having a chat about some of the other teams in the tournament. Then, so as, as we say, France looked pretty good. I think first two games against um, Australia and Denmark, as you say, a couple of shaky moments. Obviously, early on against Australia, before I think you know really running away with the game and then Denmark I think they obviously they obviously got a goal uh, it was 2-1 in the end wasn't it but I think largely France looked the much better side I think Denmark were fairly disappointing though so not really that easy to to judge that um, but largely play some really nice stuff I think Mbappe and Dembele have looked really really good in those wide areas just I, I would feel very fearful as a fullback looking at that Um just horrific. Um, yeah. Did you watch the game against so, yeah. Tunisia, though? I didn't know. I saw that. Um, I saw. Was it? That's the most recent one, yeah. I yeah. saw that Wabi, Ka- Wabi Kasri scored a goal. Throwback yeah. to him. Totally forgotten he existed. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't. I was working, unfortunately. Okay, yeah. so no worries. Uh, baffling game. Um, yeah. Obviously, France lost, which is surprising in and of itself against Tunisia, but they made us you know wholesale changes which is fine obviously they're through through the group which so you'd expect some changes but they shan't play Camavinga at left back like legitimately a left back and he played Disasti at right back who is a center back by trade may have played some time at right back I'm not really sure but a little bit weird anyway and then like four central midfielders it was kind of kind of a midfield diamond but looked a bit of a mess within Coman and uh is it Muani, is that how you pronounce it? Came into yeah, the... You're asking the wrong person. Yeah. You, you remember the episode 
in the Euros, don't you? Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did not we did not claim to know how no. to pronounce any Horrendous. of the names at the World Cup. I, th- I think it's Mirani, but he, he's the he's the guy that got called up once um, Griezmann was injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not Griezmann, uh, Benzema uh, got injured, so he came into the squad and yeah started kind of up top with Kingsley Coman. Um, first of all, Saliba still hasn't got a start for France and I would be pretty fuming seeing De Sassi who also got called up last minute to replace Kimpembe when he got injured starting ahead of him I just think that's a strange one I think Saliba's been arguably the best centre-back in the Premier League this season so to not be getting any minutes is pr- pretty tough but I I understand the changes but I don't understand the formation change I don't understand some of that personnel choice like why would you change from your 4-2-3-1 which is working really well to a midfield diamond and why would you play Camavinga at left back Re- realistically is there any circumstance where in a competitive World Cup game you're going to feel the need to play Camavinga at left back I know that uh, Lucas Hernandez got injured so they're just down to Teo Hernandez as their sole left back option but you just play Pavard you'd swap him over to the like left back and then play Kunde or whatever at right back like there's there's no way you play someone that has never played at left back or ever played at fullback or in defence at all you play centre back though I understand maybe testing something out because you're down a left back but I mean Camavinga looks so lost he, he, mm-hmm. I felt sorry for him like he clearly did not know where to be at any point in the game so I just thought that was a bit uh, a bit ridiculous but otherwise France have looked pretty good haven't they yeah no they are they're one of the the, the standout performance performers mm. for me um I don't know. I might go as far as to call them favourites, especially mm. with yeah Mbappe. That the um the stats I was referencing earlier about uh, the dribbles, and I can't remember who it was. I think Ishmael Assar was on like sixteen at mm. third. Second place was eighteen. <laughs> First place was Mbappe on thirty three. Wow. Um. It, yeah. He, he is just a monster. It's ridiculous, he, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it... And he's still so young as mm. well. Um. I think. I mean. Back, back at PSG there are some potential questions about his I don't know if attitude is the right word but the way he views himself certainly having things like the clause that he must take penalties written into mm. his contract in a team with Neymar and Messi mm. um, he's probably not the most popular man in the world in that dressing room but no. he, he is a superb footballer and when you have a difference maker like that who is just Kind of, kind of in the same way that Argentina have Messi he's obviously not as good as Messi but he's just that cut above the next mm. the next player down you kind of you struggle not to have them certainly up there as top two or three for the tournament no absolutely G- generational and in incredible form at a really good point in his career as well for this oozing confidence whether that strays over into uh, arrogance at times uh at PSG it seems to be working right now for France so they they won't be complaining um, no. but yeah beyond beyond France then we've uh, lost two of our big hitters uh, Belgium Germany mm. they're out so let's start with Belgium shall we um, that's surely the end of the golden generation right yeah yeah I um, I think I believe I'm right in saying Martinez has finally been let go now as well yeah I think he stepped down um, but yeah we'll say, yeah Anyway, step he, step he down just... in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just he's wasted that. The are uh, uh, I don't I don't believe there is a bigger disappointment or like underperforming team of the past decade mm. than Belgium. 
they they're constant consistently like we know the fifa rankings are bollocks but they they are consistently in the top five certainly mm. haven't dropped out of the top 10 in the past decade why what, what, <laughs> what is there to justify that oh they, they won a third place playoff once i actually have no idea exactly how it's done but yeah i guess it's some sort of points system based on where you finish and stuff because we, we we've been pretty high up despite having not won anything um, yeah but yeah and it's it, baffling it's it's quite concerning as well dressing room wise some of the things that have been mm. flying out since them dropping out they did the report that courtois and de bruyne i believe it was haven't spoken for the past five years or something <laughs> and and then you, you'd think the dressing room will want to play that off and be like no no this isn't the reason behind it or whatever mm. and then Courtois come out in an interview and gone if we find out who leaked this yeah. he will never be in the team again it's like oh so you actually are confirming that yeah. as probably arguably the two best players in the side yeah. you don't talk easily you, yeah no, it's, it's baffling it's and you can and, tell and, yeah oh yeah and it, well, De Bruyne's comment oh we're too old to okay. win it like you, and he he is an elite elite player. You, like his mentality should be stronger than that. And I I, I genuinely I believe he's the best player in the Premier League. Mm. Um, I, I think he is quality, but he he just hasn't ever been that level for Belgium. Um, I think also to be fair, credit to some of the opponents they were playing. I watched the Morocco game. Mm. Morocco was superb. Um, Belgium if they had the ball in their own half. Morocco were fine mm. we're like we'll sit back and there are a couple of points where Belgium were almost inviting them to compress them they were passing yeah. around the back I mean like compressors here to open up the space Morocco just sat there they, they almost there were a point where a couple of players looked like they were standing still mm. as soon as the ball crossed the halfway line they pressed and they pressed intelligently and they won it back and they limited Belgium to a number, uh, quite a few chances mm. um, and that's the sort of game in which you want your De Bruyne to come big yeah. and, and put those key passes in and and just none of them have and yeah I think Martinez is a massive reason behind that as well I don't he's one of the most baffling appointments of any mm. national team or club again in the past decade he he came off really re- doing really really badly with Everton mm. to, to then go oh yeah we'll just we'll just hire you for our golden generation yeah. you'll be fine and yeah. then hasn't performed at any tournament he's had and has lasted this long I, I have, yeah I have no idea it's it, yeah. it's crazy at the very least at international management you've got to get that um the man management right mm. and clearly based on absolutely zero dressing room harmony that has not happened so you haven't got any of your players bothered about playing it's it's so bizarre but uh, uh watch their games and you, I mean, they're actually like depressing to watch i mean <laughs> everything they do just seems random I mean, as, as you say, Mata's had the squad for a long, long time, and not once, in my eyes, has he consistently delivered a system that seems to get the best out of any of those players. Um, you've got one of, you know, you speak about Kevin De Bruyne, like one of the most creative midfielders in the world, possibly the best player in the Premier League for sure, and you've got him playing as like this inverted right winger, which, like, I understand you want to get him into a bit of a free role and get him higher up the pitch, but. If you're going to do that, you've got to be able to progress the ball to him. You've got to be able to progress the ball from deep. And they're playing... I think it was against... Um, who was their last game? Croatia. They were playing um, centre-backs with like a combined age of 95 or something. <laughs> Meanwhile, they've got um, Faze and Tiat, um, both young and in decent form at Leicester and Ron, uh, respectively. And they're just sat on the bench. Um, I'm not saying they're the best options in the world, but they're better than playing both 
Alderweireld and Vertonghen. I understand you want a bit of experience, but that's a bit far. You've got Witzel starting in midfield, um, who's been poor for ages for Dortmund. Meanwhile, you've got uh, Lavia, who's playing at Southampton. That's at home. He's not even in the squad. And he's had a pretty good start to the season. So uh, squad selection baffles me. System baffles me. You know, you've got to be getting more out of these players. I mean, against Croatia, they it's probably fair to say they were a little bit unlucky. They created over 3xG, and most of that was Lukaku. A, getting into fantastic positions and, you know, really changing the game in that sense, but not being able to finish his dinner. So it kind of didn't matter in the end. But I think across those three games, I think it's completely fair to say that Belgium did not deserve to get through. They were horrible to watch, and I'm glad they're gone because I don't want to watch them play again. Yeah, it's just it was against Morocco. It took me, uh, so I, I turned it on after about ten minutes. So I hadn't actually seen the starting lineups. It took me a little while <laughs> to work out they were actually in twenty twenty two starting Michi Vashuai mm. up front. <laughs> just well, yeah. then, then they went and started Dries Mertens in the next game. Yeah. So they not really got many other options. That's it. How, I would be really interested to see I don't care enough to go and do this because it's more amusing to just kind of laugh about it I'd be really interested to see the, the level of like squad change mm. over the past decade because it has been that like th- those players so if, yeah the Mertens the Alderweireld the Tongan mm. De Bruyne Hazard Witzel Lukaku Witzel like Courtois even who mm. is obviously still very good like yeah. they're not bad players but they have been starting almost the same team for yeah the best part of a decade now mm. and they like you say man management is Gareth Southgate has shown he, he has some tactical flaws but actually what you can do with good almost good man management not quite alone that's not fair but with mm. with sp- specifically good man management and they they just seem to hate each other <laughs> oh, it's it's ridiculous because France have had some of those problems as well but I think Deschamps has probably just managed to just about get it right plus being able to implement different smart tactical systems for the most part consistently Um, and it's obviously worked so he's met I think that's a show of a guy that's had a difficult dressing room has managed to keep a good enough harmony to get the team playing in a way that works I just don't think Martinez has managed to do that or implement any sort of tactical identity so you're kind of screwed um, if you can't do either of those things but anyway border Belgium they're done that's it see you in three and a half years or whatever um, and they'll probably be the a, same team yeah probably uh, there are some like decent young players coming through so we'll see whether mm. they can actually uh, start implementing them. like Jeremy Docker has always looked good yeah. and Ch- uh, Charles Diquetele something like that um, <laughs> he's had a bad, pretty bad start at AC Milan but is a very talented player so we'll see whether he gets some an opportunity once Michi Batshuayi is hopefully not playing again um, anyway Germany what about them then uh, Japan and Spain progressed from that group it's pretty pretty good ending to that group right there was a glorious so for context <laughs> we're recording this on Friday morning there was a glorious two two minutes or 78 <laughs> seconds or something um, where both Spain and Germany were going home and then Germany that, like they didn't even go through they just ruined the party could, yeah, you, could you not shame. at least like roll over they could have they could have ruined it for Spain which would have been far more entertaining exactly just spite them as well it would have been great (laughs) yeah yeah but no they've they've been poor and they were they were last tournament as well you think they were poor Germany they 
disappointing. We'll go with. So, they, so yeah, okay. No, they, carry Japan on. were obviously very, very good. I think Japan deserved to beat them. I know you don't necessarily agree with that, but I think Japan did enough to earn that rather than just being fortunate. Mm. Um, they went to so with Spain. I, I, I just... I don't know. I, sorry, I'm coming back to it, but I would have loved nothing more than the team who lost 7-0 yeah. to go through. Oh, it would have been brilliant. Fair, fair play as well to Costa Rica off the back mm. of that 7-0 to actually rally and put in a decent enough performance against Japan to get a result. Uh, Japan, who did beat Germany and Spain, as you say, so no no small feat to, to beat them. And then also put in a good performance, at least for like an hour against Germany, which I think is... Um, is testament to them that's fair enough but yeah G- germany um so i'm re- i'm really really happy about this because i have a massive soft spot for japan as as you know um so i'm really happy i think they have deserved it i don't think it's luck i thought they were awful in both the first halves against well actually all three games but particularly against germany and spain just completely sat off and then as soon as they make some proactive changes and start actually trying to win the game of football they look like a completely different side because they have a lot of really exciting hard-working talented forward players and so you know the fact that Doan hasn't been starting consistently is just ridiculous to me uh, and as soon as he came on suddenly Kamada looks better um, you know Ito looks better uh, uh, Maida is actually having chances so I want to see them maybe be a little bit more proactive in the next round um, and we'll see whether they who's they got I can't remember. they've got Croatia That'll be um, that'll be a tough game, but I did think Croatia were pretty disappointing against Belgium, who you know were mm. there for the taking. So, and quite ponderous Croatia, like very good at keeping the ball. But I think I think Croatia are kind of a little bit more like what we, what I sort of thought Spain were going to be. You know, a lot of possession, but maybe not so much penetration. And I think that that's actually turned out to be a little bit more like what Croatia are, although they were pretty cutthroat against um, Canada but can Canada play in a way that does leave quite a lot of space so um, yeah so I think that Japan will be able to cause uh, them problems so best of luck to them but yeah on on, on Germany I'm, I, I I genuinely think that they could have gone like all the way I, I they've got the highest XG generated in the tournament so far 10.1 XG over three games wow. it's absolutely mental and I thought that that Spain-Germany game was a really good display of football that you don't tend to see at international level. Like I think it, it genuinely looked like two um, club teams going at each other. Um, I, I was really impressed. Yeah, Germany have been a bit worse than Spain. They've definitely been. They've definitely lacked. This is a bit cliche, but they definitely lacked that like clinical nine. They've had to play kind of like well, how Havertz sort of has played there, but then wasn't and. Um, they played sort of uh, Muller as a bit of a false nine and um, then they've had that full Krug like coming off the bench mm. who's you know a, a proper number nine but you know hasn't been trusted to sort of lead the line uh, from the start so I think I think like largely it's, it, this was a really tough group and I think that they've got a little bit unlucky with variants I, I when I watched that Spain-Germany game I genuinely thought that they might meet again in the final um, mm. I thought that they were that good but Germany have just showed a little bit of a soft underbelly coupled with um, not being clinical enough and just I think I think some unlucky variants so um, yeah yeah. I saw I, I read Justin Thomas 
on Thomas Muller, I read a really interesting stat earlier that was saying he at twenty four he um he had ten goal involvements, I think it was six goals, four assists. It might have been ten goals, four assists. Like I, I got it I think it was ten goal involvements either way. Sure. Um at twenty four and was sort of on on track to basically break all of the World Cup records at thirty three, eight and a half years later, he still has the same number of goal oh involvements. God. Wow. Yeah, and that's two two World Cups. That's not, crazy. Not a single one, yeah. And, and also, I think probably fair to say, like not bad performances. Mm. Like I, I, I think his level is, you know, for for Bayern at least. I'm sort of trying to think now back to tournaments, but I've always been fairly impressed with Thomas Muller, even when Germ- Germany Germany is strange because they have like they did obviously struggle last time out as well. So it's it's a really bizarre one because they are a good side, and I think Hansi Flick will get that team winning like trophies again like I, I do think that he is good enough to make that work I think that um, losing Werner to injury was probably a big loss because I think that he would have given them at least a sort of if not a clinical nine like at least a nine uh, yeah. that, that could play um, yeah he's a very very intelligent um, striker yeah absolutely and that that said I, I mean Havertz obviously played against uh, Costa Rica and well, he scored twice didn't he so uh, he can have his moments but you know pressure was off then I guess um, but yeah I, I I I suppose I agree with you in that they were disappointing but I do think that they've kind of just been victim to something that doesn't get spoken about that much which is just kind of like a bit, just a bit of bad luck like mm-hmm. I, do, I do think they were a very good side I think they were one of the better teams that I watched but like, I thought that they were more convincing than Brazil or Argentina have been um, mm-hmm. I think they were probably like fourth best performer like in terms of some of the football they had played maybe not consistently across 90 minutes but you know I think that they had had played maybe in a 45 minute spell better than England had for example certainly mm. better than Brazil Argentina probably have been better than Argentina but Argentina Argentina are interesting actually I will just speak about this because I want to um, <laughs> they are probably like they're the team that changed the most I think from game one to to, to game three Mm. seemed to figure out what was going wrong and sort of fixed it somewhat rather than playing that sort of 4-2-4 and just having nobody in midfield they dropped Messi a little bit deeper then they were over-reliant on Messi in build-up so they put Enzo Fernandez in there who really helped in build uh, in deep areas of build-up so I think that going into the knockout stages they're, they're, they're a bit more of a force to be reckoned with now but yeah not great for Germany but absolutely brilliant for the narrative and up for Japan Mm, really glad they topped it as well, didn't they? Yeah. Spain were second. That crazy, yeah. So yeah, hope and you know it's nice that Japan do have a not not an easy game, but a, certainly a winnable game. I think that that'll be a good game against mm. Croatia. So that'll be really exciting. Um, right, anything else you want to talk about from elsewhere? In the I don't think so. That's no? just about covered it all. No referee rambles or anything this week. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you could if you thought hard enough about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess that'll do it time to wrap things up so go on then can you tell the listeners where they can find us on all the socials if they are so inclined I can we are at EAFC underscore podcast on both Twitter and Instagram Um, we are just everyone's a football critic on Facebook you can find us on all your favourite podcasting platforms if you're listening to us on one currently you can listen to us on another next time it's entirely up to you type it in and I'm sure it will come up somewhere um (laughs) 
yeah and with that i guess all that's left to say is thank you for listening and we will see you some point next week i'm not sure if we've worked it out exactly when but after the round of 16 games are done i guess and yeah but thank you for listening to this time hope you'll join us next time uh, goodbye bye